Well, hello, everyone. This is JB with Not By Works Ministries. It is a Thursday, March the 23rd, and I am so excited to have a, uh, a friend and colleague uh, who needs no introduction, really, Mondo Gonzalez from Prophecy Watchers, uh, joining us uh, for the next little bit here to talk about uh, the red heifers. What in the world is all the fuss about the red heifers? And uh, of course, uh, you know, most of you know Mondo, just an incredible man of God and prophecy expert. Uh, he was with L.A. Marzulli for a number of years and uh, recently uh, teamed up with the Prophecy Watchers. I've had the privilege just to get to know him a little bit over the last uh, few months and uh, got to hear him speak at the Orlando Prophecy Summit. And uh, he spoke, one of his messages there was on this subject of the red heifers. And so I thought, who better to come on and kind of give us a quick overview and a biblical primer here on this whole uh, concept. So uh, prophecywatchers.com is the website. Uh, Mondo also is probably one of the foremost experts on the screw tape letters anywhere in the world. And his uh, website, screwtapestudyguide.com, is kind of the, the preeminent uh, full-fledged uh, study guide for that uh, C.S. Lewis work. Uh, so you can check that out at screwtapestudyguide.com. Uh, but Mondo, thanks so much for making time. I mean, you are one of the busiest guys on the planet. I hear you're headed out to Israel here in a couple of days, and yet you still carved out some time for us. So so thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's, it's a pleasure. Pleasure to be here. I mean, this is a, it's an important topic for sure and uh, worthy of people's attention. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for for those who really have no idea what we're, we're talking about, kind of give us sort of the biblical basis of where, where does the idea of the red heifers come from? What is significant about it? And then we'll get into a little bit more of the current events and why uh, mm -hmm. why there's such a buzz about it right now. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the key. I mean, I think I told you that I'm, I'm writing a book on this and putting all my research together because try to just to come out right out of the gate and say, hey, why should people care? Does it even matter? What's the biblical basis? I mean, come on, come on. You know, like, no, there is something very biblical. So what I've tried to do is to establish that I think those that are watching that are futurists, those that believe in the sense of that the book of Revelation, as well as other prophetic material is future. Uh, we believe, based on several passages of Scripture, that uh, there's going to be a temple. There's going to be a third temple that's going to be built by the Jewish people, by the Jewish religious people, however you want to phrase it, uh, that is going to be standing uh, at least by the middle point of the tribulation. Uh, could be two, two days before. All we know is that Daniel 9.27 says that there'll be sacrifices taking place uh, in the middle, and that's when they, he, the Antichrist stops them. We also know Matthew 24, 15, that Jesus says that when you see the abomination standing in the holy place, that's a very physical description. In Revelation 11, you have a description there of the, of the temple court being measured. And of course, we have 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that the Antichrist, uh, when he comes, sits in the temple of God, declare himself to be God. So right there, you have four passages of scripture that are crystal clear that there is going to be this temple one day. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, there's no question that, that God's program shifts back uh, to Israel as being center stage after the rapture, when the church is called to meet the Lord in the air. And there absolutely has to be a temple for all of these things to happen. Ultimately, of course, Christ is going to take the throne in the millennial temple that Ezekiel talks about. Uh, but yeah, you're right. In the tribulation period, there's a lot going on in and around Jerusalem, and there's got to be a temple. So uh, the fact that there's going to be a temple, how does that connect to these red heifers from, okay. uh, I guess it's Numbers 19 is really the kind of... Yes. The so, you know, let me let me say one more thing, because before we go there, uh, Numbers 19, and the reason why is because um, 
you know, now that I've been speaking about it and uh, you get to hear some of the criticisms, which I, I think is great. I'd like, you know what? Tell me about your objections because I want I want to address those. I like to address uh, address objections in advance. And one of the objections is, "What's wrong with you, Christians? Don't you know that we are the temple of God? And so why are you missing it?" And I'm like, "Hey, okay, you know what? First Corinthians three sixteen says that we collectively it's plural there. Don't you know that you are the temple? So there's it's Greek it's plural in the Greek. But then we have First Corinthians six nineteen as well discussing that our bodies are the temple. So it is true. Jesus in John chapter two, he, you know, destroyed this temple in three days. I'll raise it up. They say don't, he was talking about the temple of his body. So we're not denying those passages of scripture that right now during the church age, the Lord almighty and dwells in us as the temple, as a collective body, as the church, as well as in our physical bodies. So we're not denying that, but what people are missing is taking those and universalizing them to say every then reference to the word temple. I mean, how does the Antichrist stand in our body? I mean, how does he stand within the church? That's not, that's not what he's talking about. How does the abomination stand in the holy place? Because where's the holy place? The holy place is in Jerusalem on the temple mount. So there's, there's language that we understand those who embrace the dispensational perspective, that there is a time during the church age where we are, there's this new body that God is working in. But we also recognize that during the first century, when Jesus makes these comments and Paul, the temple standing right over there, there's a literal physical place. Yeah, no question. I mean, you can't, you can't allegorize the entire old Testament and all the promises made to Israel about, you know, the future temple and throne and kingdom and boundaries and all of that. It has to have a literal essence. And the fact that the new Testament writers under the inspiration of the spirit occasionally refer back to some of the Jewish concepts in a mm -hmm. metaphorical way, it doesn't change that. So, uh, that's, uh, you know, that would be, uh, when you talked about how people say every reference to the temple is now this temple within us, that's that would be what Carson, I think, calls illegitimate totality transfer or something like that. <laughs> every reference becomes a technical yep. term, and that's not at all the case. So, so yeah, so essentially what we're saying then, and what I hear you saying, is that as we get uh, to, to the end times after the rapture, when all eyes are on Israel once again, and there's first an antichrist that uh, is ruling and reigning and sets himself up as God in the temple, and ultimately the Messiah himself, the Son of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, coming back to take the throne. If all that is the case, then some of the biblical teaching from the Old Testament about you know, uh, you know centering around that return and that future global kingdom that Christ will lead comes back into play, doesn't it? Absolutely. And that, that and that's the key. We're dealing with with uh, Jewish people who are they, they, they believe they're following God. Um, and we have, you know, we, we obviously say very straight up without Jesus, uh, you're not going to have a relationship with God. Jesus said it apart from, you know, for me, it's not going to happen. John 14, six and other passages. So we recognize that for them, they're still in a state of blindness. Uh, but they're going to go back to their default, which is Moses. And Moses had instructions, uh, prescriptions about the temple. So for them, they're saying, okay, now that we have this chance to come back in the land and potentially in order to reconnect with God, to, that for them, that was through the sacrificial system. But we understand that's a, that, that's, that whole thing has obsolete. It's passed away. Uh, Book of Hebrews, other passages. So, But for them, they're thinking, okay, in order to get and rebuild the temple— one thing was required. That goes back to the biblical book of Numbers, chapter 19, where Moses said, I want you to take a, a, a red heifer, a red cow, and burn it, slaughter it, slaughter it, and burn it. Take, take the ashes, mix it with water, and it can be used as a sprinkling on people who have who've been uh, ritually 
unclean by touching a body. So it's not so much that the red heifer was needed back then specifically, but now they recognize, well, these priests are unclean. So we need a way to uh, cleanse them. And God gave a great way to do it, very cheap way through the ashes of the red heifer, which could be sprinkled. So for them to have the priests to come officiate at this new coming temple or to cleanse the area, they need the red cow to do that in their mind. Now, so again, we're not, I'm not uh, validating any of this. We're simply trying to say, prophetically speaking, for them, we know there's a temple and there's these steps that come be- before that where the Jews, this is what they're going to do. And I actually think that God is saying, hey guys, we're going to have a talk during the tribulation and I'm going to allow you to go through this process to find the red cow. And so so the interesting thing is, maybe I could ask you this, is would, it, would, would God be sinful to miraculously provide a red cow so that they could then use in a way that is sinful? I don't think so. God's no. not responsible for people's sin, but he's like, I know that you guys are, need to do this, but the goal is God's going to use it to bring Absolutely. them to salvation. Yeah, I mean, the, the the Jews are in the land in unbelief at this moment. And, that and will, he did that, right? Yeah, and he did it, right. Yeah. He did it. He's not condoning everything these unbelieving Jewish leaders and Jewish people do today, but it's exactly. all yeah. part of the setting of the stage. And that's going to continue right up until the midpoint and beyond until finally at the end of the tribulation, when uh, Israel, many of the Jews will in fact believe the gospel and then cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna, and they will be mm-hmm. regathered into the land and so forth and so on. So yeah, no, I don't see any inconsistency with acknowledging that a lot of the, the the biblical prophecies that we talk about and that we see unfolding after the rapture uh you know are not necessarily things that relate to you have to do this to be saved or you have this somehow abrogates the the lamb of god being the ultimate sacrifice uh, yep. in any way uh so so now that the book of numbers as you referenced you know gives a lot of details but aren't there also some traditional things that have come up through the Talmud and other things through the years. Tell us yes. about those. So, yeah, when you get into the mind of, of a Jewish religious person today, uh, they have two levels two levels of authority. One is, of course, the, the scripture, the written text, but they also have something that, that which we'd call the written law, or they would. Um, but we also have something that they would call the oral law, the oral traditions that they believe came all the way down from Moses orally, which none of us would be that. And I think um, there's no way that they could prove it but anyways. But we do know that in the first century, when Jesus was teaching, Matthew 15 is one good example, that the tradition of the elders, that's the way it's phrased in the New Testament, the tradition of the elders was there. And so it, it preceded Jesus, no doubt. So for them, when you look at that tradition, which was written down in 280 in what we call the Mishnah, so or what is called the Mishnah. Uh, in, in addition to the Mishnah, you have that body, you have something called the Talmud or the a Gemara, the commentary is added to the Mishnah. So the Mishnah and the commentary together is what we understand is the Talmud, 38 volumes, it's big, 580, depending. And there's a Jerusalem Talmud and there's a Babylonian Talmud. So in the Talmud for them, and they look at this and they go, well, you can go in the Mishnah, uh, to, there's, a, there's a section, uh, a tractate called para, which means cow. And so you go there and it's very specific, 200 AD, about all the written legislation. But it's interesting well, this rabbi says this, this rabbi says that, this rabbi says this. So you have all these different opinions. And so what, what's interesting is later we, we could talk about the timing factor, which I find interesting, is you have different opinions on the timing and the amount of hairs. The Bible doesn't say how red it has to be, but the rabbis in the Mishnah, 
talk about how many hairs there can be, how, how old it has to be. Uh, can it be bought from a Gentile? A whole bunch of other things that are not in the Bible. Yeah, what, what kind of rope they have to use to lead it away, what way it has to be facing when it's yep. slaughtered, uh, all kinds of details. Yeah, and the, and the hairs, that was an interesting one. It was, uh, I don't remember the number, but it can have no more than so many black or white hairs or something in that, right? There's So depending, but the, I think the standard uh, consensus now is that it can have two non-red hairs. That's it. Okay. If it gets to be a third one, then it's disqualified. And actually of the five that were that were taken to Israel in September last year, uh, one has become disqualified already. Yeah. So yeah, things like you know, it, a bird could not have landed on it at any time in its mm -hmm. life. Uh, it can't have a garment ever placed on it. Um, no yoke. Yeah, or yoke. Exactly. So so what's exciting to me about this and, and where it gets into potentially a setting of the stage for Bible prophecy is that, uh, as you mentioned, you know, the the Jewish people, even in their unbelief, the rabbis and the, the leaders who are, are in the in the temple, uh, you know, rebuilding project, they they really are seriously thinking about building the temple and, and looking for a messiah. In fact, mm -hmm. I think you've covered uh there's a rabbi over there that some people think is the Messiah, or he's claiming to be the Messiah, or something like that. Who who knows what that's all about? But the point is, they are anticipating the the rebuilding of the temple. So I think it was last year, if I time goes so fast, but I think it was in 2022, and all the buzz started about these red cows in Texas mm -hmm. and how they had then, you know, could they be could they be qualified, and could be any of them end up making the you know, the, the cut, so to speak. Uh, so what can you tell us about that and where does that stand and, and why is that significant? So the, 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 the search for the red heifer, I would say with intensity began in the Jewish circles, the rabbinic circles, uh, probably in the nineties, but before that, you know, there had been comments about that. And of course, in the eighties, you had people uh, in their dispensational perspective, love Israel. Okay. they love Israel. Uh, they, they embrace uh, Israel. They, they want to show kindness, et cetera, versus church history is bad. Well, back in the eighties, you have several people. Clyde Lott was a guy, he's still raising uh, red Angus down in Texas. He devoted uh, much of his uh, flock or herd, if you want to say it that way, to trying to find a red heifer. But the, this latest one was a guy by the name of Ty Davenport in Rockwall, Texas, uh, Triple Creek Ranch. You can look it up, tri triplecreekranch.com. Uh, this guy's just a guy that he decided that, hey, I want to, back in the 80s, I want to, I believe in the Bible. I believe there's going to be a red heifer one day. And I want to, I'm going to start ra raising red Angus specifically in order to, maybe God will provide the perfect one that stays pure and I'll be able to give it to the the country of Israel for this to be part of the prophetic development. So that's what he did. And as he's raised it to so last year, uh, in actually in October of 2021, there were five, there were actually more that were born. There were six that were born, but these five uh, were tested probably, I think probably around a year ago, about March of, of last year. And they, they, they were about five months old. They went out there. The rabbis went, checked them all out. Like, Hey, these so far, these are pretty good because there's a, there's a rule, uh, uh, an agricultural rule in Israel that says they cannot receive any foreign animals that at least cows that are under one year, that are over a year old. So they had to get them there before that date, which ended up being September 15th of 2021 or 2022, uh, just 2022, last year. Right, right, yep. right. So, so this guy in Rockwall, Texas, just took it on himself to contact uh, like 
Well, that's good. I'm glad in with these key Jewish leaders. So let's go back to that because that's a good question. What what you what you had is a guy by the name Byron Stinson. He's 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 a Gentile. He's a leader of, of what's known as Bone Israel. He participates, which you know just means to build Israel. Well, he was putting ads in uh, magazines, steer cattle ranching magazines, all through the country, um, looking for Red Angus, and that, it went nowhere. Well, then finally, um, there there was the rabbis got a hold of another guy. And who got hold of another guy who I met with. And he said, yeah, they called me. And he and so he's like, let me pray about it. And so he prayed about it. And then the, he got a phone call just right after this. He goes, I, I was praying about it. They, they want help. Help me to find some red heifers. So then he gets a phone call out of the blue. He said like an hour later, and he was talking to the guy. And he said, hey, are you looking for red heifers? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, well, I, I think I have some. And so he goes, well, where? And he goes, oh, this, this Davenport Ranch. And he goes, well. Let's go check them out. And so, boom, it was like so instant. So that's how they came to know uh, the Davenport's ranch. So how about that? So so there have been then rabbis earnestly kind of looking if they've been putting out ads and stuff, trying to find an anticipation of, of, of needing one for the dedication of the yep. temple. Wow. Yep. And so there's a book that was written by Heim Richmond. Um, who's a rabbi for the Temple Institute? I have it. It was written in 1988. He was he was in Texas in 1988. There's pictures of him down at this Clyde lot, his his ranch. He's there with the he's there with the red heifer, which since has been disqualified. But you go back and he wrote a book on the red heifer mystery and their search. So it goes back a long time. But this is the first time. Now this is why it's different. Now this is the first time you have five that are brought over to Israel. The other ones were all disqualified. And of course, now one has been disqualified, but that's a lot of, this is the first time you've had five candidates in a row. That's a big, if you look at statistics, yeah, yeah, you have a good chance on this. No doubt. Yeah. So, so that's what I think has a lot of people excited. Now, you know, to put it in perspective, uh, and I know the answer to this, but I'm asking this of you mainly for our audience. What if the other four, are disqualified. Does that somehow discredit Bible prophecy or cause you to say, oh, the rapture is not going to happen after all? No, you know what? I, I've been watching the Red Heifer for a long time, and I remember writing about it and seeing others become disqualified. And I'm like, okay, well, that, what does that mean? That yeah. just means that wasn't the one. And yeah. so, we're, and, the, and the reason why it's, it seems pretty obvious is that, again, now you have groups and groups of ranchers deliberately growing uh, uh, raising, breeding red Angus for this reason. And so if it's not these four, there's going to be others born. Absolutely. Yeah. So these people that love the Lord and these believers that also love Israel and understand there's a future for national Israel and the role that Israel plays in, in the end times there, they're actually trying to help out with this, yep. you know, this, this process or this, uh, this needs very fascinating stuff. I mean, uh, so at this point, where does it stand? Four of them are still, under scrutiny and still passing the test so far so far and so what, what you have is uh the if you go to i'm trying to think of where the website was uh anyways uh, there was a recent article that just came out a video article uh from cbn news and oh. they were over in the land and they did a, an update which was great you get these updates well in that update i i, I learned i heard something and i was like well this is new because um in the in the Heim Richmond book, he talks about the dating. He says, "Oh, there it was like two years." So you have these different dates in the Talmud and in the Mishnah. 
two years, two years in one day, two years in eight days, two years in 30 days, three years old, could be up to four years old. But in the video, they were saying, oh, we, we, we can't wait because as soon as they're three years old, which is a year and a half from now, and I was like, okay, that's not what I heard from other people. Others, I heard that it, was, it could, could be two years and eight days. So two years, two years is this coming October. So hypothetically, um, you read this and you're like, oh, they could, one of them could be slaughtered and burnt this coming October. But according to the official, this, this video, the guy's like, oh no, we're waiting a year and a half. But see, I'm skeptical. And here's why. Um, I, there's no way, there's no way that I think, and they said in the video, oh, we can't wait. We're going to tell everybody on this day, we're going to come, we're going to have the slaughter and we're going to, we're going to do it. And everybody's invited. I don't believe that for a second, because you want to talk about drawing in uh, potential terrorism, um, human rights, you know, in the sense of animal rights, people, I think what they're going to say is, oh, by the way, we did it last week. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I bet you're exactly right on that. But yeah, so it's, uh, you know, and, and one thing to keep in mind, and you you started out, I think, by talking about this, or we talked about it early on here, and that is, it doesn't have to happen before the rapture. Right. So even if oh. these, even if these red heifers are not qualified uh, somehow, uh, it doesn't mean that it destroys the doctrine of imminency. The rapture can happen at any time. Yep. And then it's God can provide the perfect red cow to to, to be slaughtered, have the ashes uh, put in with water. And then they use the hyssop stick to, you know, yep. uh, to uh, t- cleanse the temple and the priests and whatever. So uh, but like with all of our study of, of Bible prophecy, and like we just talked about a lot at the Orlando Summit, just about every speaker was basically saying, look, here's one way the stage is being set yeah. for things that are going to happen after the rapture. And if that stage is being set, that just means the rapture is even closer. And so uh, to me, that's what the relevance of this is. Like you said, there's a lot of uh, new developments this time around with five of them, um, you know, with this potential lengthening of the date, you know, the time frame, the time window, uh, who knows? Uh, there's just a lot of things that sur- sure seem to be setting the stage for the coming of the Lord. So, um, so tell us, when is your book? When are you, how are you coming on the book? When is it? You know, <laughs> I think once I get back from Israel, I will have some time. I have all my research done. I have it all done. I have it all outlined. I have actually a few chapters already completed. So I'm hoping that um, I want to clarify some of these other issues. So I have some more interviews that I'm set up with some Israelis to say, okay, you guys are giving us all these things, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping by, I would love to have it ready by June. And does it have a working title? Um, I, kind of. I, the, if you don't want to say, mystery, I don't know how that is. Yeah. Well, there is a mystery aspect, but there's been like five books talking about the mystery of the red heifer. I'm like, well, but it's almost like I want to say like the mystery of the red heifer, but the time of the Messiah's arrival is now. Yeah. Because it really is true. So we, we of course, believe the same thing that they do because they, they will say Maimonides, uh, you know, a 12th century rabbi was very clear that when the 10th heifer comes along, it will be Messiah's arrival. Well, this is, this is the 10th. This would be the 10th one. They, they haven't listed exactly all nine of when they were prior. And so he wrote that, you know, 1,800 years ago. So here we are. It, it, so regardless, I really do think the time of the Messiah's arrival is now. So it can go, it can go both ways. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's an exciting time. By the way, the time is now is what we're calling our Tuesday night prophecy night in Denver. We just had our eighth session uh, 
this oh, week on good. Tuesday, and we call it "The Time Is Now: Why Bible Prophecy Matters Now More Than Ever." And uh, so, lots of good stuff there. Romando, thank you so much. You are such a, a, a gentleman and a scholar and a great friend to take time out and kind of help our our listeners uh, learn more about this uh, subject. Again, the key passage is Numbers 19. If you want to look at some of the biblical history of it, uh, and then uh, we'll have to wait for your book. You better hurry up because it, you know. What if, <laughs> I hope the rapture does hope the rapture doesn't happen before you finish it. You know, I won't complain if it does, but <laughs> still, I wouldn't need to hurry. Me and you both, brother. Well, thank you so much. And have a safe trip to uh uh to Israel. And remember, you can go to prophecywatchers.com. By the way, I encourage folks to go there and purchase the entire streaming set from the Orlando Prophecy Summit, which will include your presentation on the red heifers there, as well as a ton of other great messages by um. Billy Crone, L.A. Marzulli, Bill Salas, bunch of guys. And so uh, that's uh, available at prophecywatchers.com. Well, thanks, Mondo. God bless you. And uh, hopefully we'll get to talk again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, JB.